Thank you, orchestra. Beautiful piece there. Beautiful piece. Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, as we look today at a true spiritual pioneer. Obviously, today is Mother's Day, and we're looking not at a mother per se from Scripture, but a, uh, a spiritual pioneer, a woman who is a spiritual pioneer, Lydia, strong, courageous woman. And, and she truly exemplifies the characteristics of a spiritual pioneer. Now, when we think about a pioneer in general, we often think of some of these great stories from our own history, uh, Lewis and Clark, some of the great mountain men of the past that would uh, display extreme courage. If you can imagine just kind of going out in the untamed wilderness, unmarked wilderness, for months and months upon end, uh, working your way towards the next outpost, living off the land for whatever sort of sustenance you could find, incredible courage. Well, let me propose to you today that the courage that we see displayed here by Lydia, her family, and the other women that were gathered together with her is also extreme courage, spiritual courage, and in so she is a true spiritual pioneer. So today, as we look at, at Acts chapter 16, verses 11 through 15, we're going to ask ourselves, what sort of characteristics did Lydia display of a spiritual pioneer, of a spiritual pioneer? So starting in verse 11. We see here it says, therefore, and as many of you know, whenever there is a therefore, you ask, what is it therefore? One of the oldest preacher jokes in the book, it's not very good, it's kind of like half between a preacher joke and a dad joke, so it's not very good, of course, but uh, it's true. You look back, you see, what in the world is it therefore? So we know that uh, right before this, uh, Paul and his traveling companions who were taking the gospel throughout the known world at the time, the, the gospel was spreading out in concentric circles throughout the known world. Of course, as its base and there in Jerusalem in the, the land of the Jews as Jesus Christ himself was a Jew. And we see that it spread beyond and spread beyond to the known world because it expressed God's heart for the entirety of the world, all peoples of the world, as we saw a few weeks ago walking through the book of Acts as a study. And so as Paul and his cohorts, his traveling companions, are taking the gospel throughout the known world, they have plans to go to one particular port of call. And then the Holy Spirit comes to, to, to Paul, and it actually, the Holy Spirit leads him, but in an interesting way, through a, uh, through a dream. And we see here, if we back up into chapter 6, or excuse me, to, to verse 6, it says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia to the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word of God in Asia. It's not as though God didn't want the word to go there. The Holy Spirit just had a different uh, leadership of things. And after they had come to Myasia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Myasia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he'd seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So this was the Holy Spirit's leadership to take the gospel for the first time to Europe proper, over on the, the Grecian uh, peninsula there, to take it over, uh, take the gospel to, to Europe proper. Verse 11, therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Th Samothrace, past this mountainous island called Samothrace. And the next day, we came to Neapolis. So they're on uh, the shorelines of Europe proper there in, in modern-day Greece. And from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. So we know that uh, 
Philippi was referred to as the foremost city. It wasn't the largest city at the time, but it was probably known in this day as the foremost city because of its extremely illustrious history. Lots of people began to settle in Philippi when there were copper and gold mining uh, uh, adventures at their boom, and so many people moved into the area. Fourth century BC, Philip of Macedon, who we know to be the father of Alexander the Great, uh, settled this area, conquered this area, if you will, and then just really set it off in its pattern of growth and its pattern of grandeur. Rome uh, conquered it again in 168, and we see that it also had this uh, really illustrious history and that it was the site just outside the city on the plains there of a battle between uh, the combined forces of Antony and Octavian versus Brutus and Cassius. Some of you, your eyes are rolling back in your head because you're having terrible flashbacks to world history class in, in either middle school or high school or college. But it was an important city. Important city, important place where the Holy Spirit led them to go to, 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 to bring the gospel upon the shores of Europe. And so we see here that this is where they were led. And from there to Philippi, which again is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And so in verse 13, And on the Sabbath day we went out to the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay in my house. And so she persuaded us. We see that in, it truly she was a spiritual pioneer. The first thing that we see, which isn't a formal point, but it, it's worth noting, is the fact that she was a real trailblazer in the true sense of the word. She was a real pioneer in the true sense of the word because by all accounts, she was the first European convert to Christianity, to the gospel, follower of Jesus Christ, disciple of Jesus Christ in the known world at the time. She was a true trailblazer. She was the first. So when we see here that uh, as we walk through this passage in which we see this great story of Lydia, the first thing that we see is that she displayed, when we think about the example of a true spiritual pioneer, she displayed dedication. Let's read back through those first three verses again of this section. And it says, of course, that he was sailing from Throaz, made a straight, uh, straight trip, no problems at all, and there from there they landed upon Philippi, which was the foremost city of that part of Macedonia. And we were there in the city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. We sat down and we spoke to the women who were there. Now, how do we mine out of this the point that Lydia and also those who are with her display great dedication? How in the world do we draw this out? Well, if you notice, Paul went to the riverside. Not to mention it, it, it was an incredible display of dedication by Paul and those who were traveling with him. Uh, his followers as well who were taking the gospel. They were led by the Holy Spirit. And so those of us who may not be following the Holy Spirit, if we were in that situation quite to the degree that Paul would have been, we were saying, I need to go to the most important part of the city center. I must go to where the people are. And undoubtedly, God called the apostles at times to do that very thing. We see Paul just a chapter later do that with Mars Hill. But they were dedicated to go to where those um, whom the Holy Spirit was leading them to, where they were, and those whose hearts were open to the good news of the gospel. Well, Lydia also 
Those in, in, in her companions that were worshiping the one true Lord showed incredible dedication. You see, it was the common practice of Paul and his followers who were taking the good news of the gospel to go first to a Jewish synagogue in whatever particular city they were in. Now, obviously, if this was a city of Israel or of Judea, that wouldn't be hard to find. But when they went out through the known world, they could also find synagogues. You remember we talked about the dispersion. We know and um, after the divide of, of the kingdom of Israel and the conquering of the northern kingdom of, in 722 B.C., the southern kingdom in 586 B.C. by Assyria and Babylon, that many of the people were dispersed, many of the Jewish people were dispersed throughout the known world. And they began to settle in different parts of the, of the known world. This is what made, if you remember from a couple of weeks ago, uh, Acts chapter 2 with the coming of the Holy Spirit such an incredible miracle. Many of these dispersed Jews who were Jews by birth, Jews by religion, were back in Jerusalem for a major feast. So they would speak, maybe they could speak Hebrew, but they would speak the languages of the countries they came from. And so they were back in uh, Jerusalem and of course all of the, the apostles were speaking the good news of the gospel in these languages all over the world. God uses an incredible miracle to draw a crowd and Peter preached the good news of the gospel. So we know from this picture and others and also extra biblical um, history as well that there was a dispersion throughout the world. So Paul and his companions when they were taking the gospel obviously Jews were worshipers of the one true God even though many of them had not come to the realization yet that their Messiah had come in the person of Jesus Christ. He was crucified, he was risen again, and he was exactly who he said he was. He was the Messiah. He was the Son of God. He was the one that has come to save the world from their sin. Restore relationship with God. Bring forgiveness and a hope of heaven. That's who he was. But their hearts were open. So they would go to these synagogues and they would say... <clears throat> Let me build upon the Old Testament scriptures. Let me build upon what you know. And the Messiah spoken of of old is none other than this Jesus Christ in, whom name, in whose name we come. But in this city, evidently they didn't have a synagogue. So what it meant is that there were not even at least 10 men who were heads of Jewish households, which was the minimum, to have a synagogue. So it showed that these worshipers of the one true God, whether they were Jews by nationality and Jews by religion, or whether they were proselytes, meaning they were, they were Gentiles, they were non-Jews, who, whose heart began to be open to the one true God. Either way, it showed an incredible dedication on their part. They couldn't just do the easy thing of walk down to the synagogue and meet on Sabbath day once a week. They actually went outside the city. Maybe because of some sort of religious persecution. Maybe it was just a place to meet. Either way, they came together without this great framework of spiritual belief around them. It showed their hearts were open and they had an incredible dedication. So she, just like any good spiritual pioneer, displayed dedication. Dedication. The second thing that we see is that she ordered her priorities. Let's read verse 14 now. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard of us, or heard us, and she was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. And the Lord opened her heart to heed the good things spoken by Paul. She worshipped God. She worshipped God. She ordered her priorities. Now you say, again, how do we draw this out of there? Well, look at the context of who Lydia was. She was a seller of purple. 
In this region of the world, they were known for their purple garments. We say, well, again, what's the big deal? You know, we purple garments. I see lots of purple garments out here. Lots of all sorts of colors, beautiful colors. In those days, dyeing garments, especially of bold colors, was a major trade because it took specialized skill to do so. And it took natural resources, the sort of mining, if you will, of, of plants and berries and such that had that, sort of, had that sort of dye, that sort of pigment. It was not an easy skill. It was not an easy trade to involve yourself in. Therefore, those who were involved, of it, involved in it were very successful. Their skills were in high demand. And so it is not a far leap to think, especially when we see that she invited them, this whole cohort, to come and stay in her house, that she was a successful woman, very successful at what she did. Now, it's very easy. We know this. Uh, some things never change, whether it's the first century or the 21st century. If we are very successful in whatever it may be, it is a temptation for us to look to ourselves, look to ourselves and order priorities around our own success and our own whatever it may be that we try to strive for. Now, is success in and of itself bad? Absolutely not. God uses successful people in whatever they find themselves in. He uses them greatly. But it is always a temptation for us, whether it's a small amount of success or a large amount of success, however you might frame it, to begin to be self-reliant and not order your priorities. She was extremely successful, yet she knew above all things she was to worship God. She ordered her priorities, just like any true spiritual pioneer. We also see from that same verse 14 that she relished truth. She was a seller of purple from that city, again, who worshipped God. And the Lord opened her heart. The Lord opened her heart to the truth. She relished that truth. Again, if we are going to be a spiritual pioneer in whatever it is that God has called us to, and God has called us to ultimately, above all things, as any believer in Jesus Christ, to take the same message that has changed our heart, to take it to those who we have influence over. And if you think to yourself, I don't have influence, that is absolutely false. Everyone, everyone, everyone has some level of influence. So we're called to take that good news, the same good news that changed our heart, the same good news that changed Lydia's heart, the same good news that changed Paul, Paul's heart. We are to take that good news. And when we do so, we must relish truth. You see, the way that we continue to stoke the, fi the, the fires of being a spiritual trailblazer, a spiritual pioneer, is right here to spend time in God's truth. To spend time in it, to immerse ourselves in it. To know his heart, to know what he's called us to do, to know what he has called, called us to do in all of life. She relished the truth, and we are to do the same. We are to relish truth and immerse ourselves in the truth. It's not enough just to relish the truth, but she was also one who lived the truth. She lived the truth. The Lord opened her heart, and she, what did she do? To heed the things spoken by Paul. So it's not just enough to relish the truth of God's word. If we are going to be a spiritual pioneer, we must heed the word of God. It takes courage, right? There's nothing that we're called to do in scripture that is easy. There's nothing that we're called to do in Scripture that just fits nicely into the flow of culture. If we're going to be a sold-out believer for Jesus Christ, there are many things that God is going to call us to do that are absolutely counter-cultural. But yet they are the absolute truth of God. They are the answers of life. They are the truth of life. So it's not just enough to relish the truth. But if we're going to be a true spiritual pioneer, a true trailblazer, we must live the truth. Verse 15 
And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me faithful to the Lord, come and stay in my house. And so she persuaded us to do so. So the the fifth thing that we see is that she applied her influence. Again, I mentioned just a moment ago, some of you may think, well, clearly that person has influence. Clearly this guy or this girl has influence. But what kind of influence do I really have? All of us, all of us have influence. You may not think that the breadth of your influence, the, the scope of your influence is that great, but you have influence over someone. And living a life that is one that is immersed in God's truth and lives it out courageously, you live a life of influence. And what did she do? It She leveraged that influence. She applied that influence. Now, the Bible doesn't give us all the details of exactly how her whole household came to faith in Christ. But there is no doubt because of her leadership and her zeal for the good news of the gospel, there is no doubt that it was instrumental, instrumental in influencing those that cared about her, influenced them for the gospel, influenced them into becoming believers in Jesus Christ. Six, we see that she applied, she exercised rather, her faithfulness. Her faithfulness. She says to to Paul and them traveling, if you find me faithful, come and stay. Let me open my house. Let me give generously to you. Now by implication, they did that very thing. And so we can see by implication that she was faithful. She was faithful. You know, as a spiritual pioneer, as a trailblazer for the Lord Jesus Christ, of which he has called all of us to be, of which he has called all of us to be, we must exercise faithfulness. There are times in life, again, where we are going to feel like we are swimming upstream and we are being countercultural. There are times in which we've seen that the cards, the the deck seems to be stacked against us. There are going to be times where it seems as though we are just facing one difficulty after another, after another, after another. It may just be circumstances of life that are just beat upon us like a storm would beat upon a ship. It may be that we're trying to be faithful to the Lord in, 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 in speaking about this good news of Jesus Christ, loving others around us, inviting our friends to church, even just opening spiritual conversations with those that are hurting. And we're trying to be faithful to do that, and it seems like roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. Being a pioneer takes that sort of faithfulness. You can imagine those great, great pioneers of old out on the uh, the old west and out in the western United States, that unkept and untamed western United States, how they must have had incredible faithfulness to just stick with it and stick with it and stick with it. Now for us, we have the Holy Spirit. We have the truth that we walk in. We walk in God's truth and we have his Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us, to challenge us, to encourage us. And as we showed several weeks ago, to empower us. So yes, as we are being spiritual pioneers, as we are faithful to the truth, it is difficult, but we are, just as Lydia was, we are called to exercise faithfulness. And finally, she gave generously. She gave generously. I think especially in this day as we honor our mothers and those who meant so much to us and the women are very special in our lives, we think about that great generosity, great generosity. You know, as a spiritual pioneer, we too are called to be generous in our own way. It may sound like some, some sort of a funny thing to kind of add on here almost to the end of a, 
of a sermon about being a spiritual pioneer. But we are called to be ones that take eyes off of ourselves and our situation. And we are to turn a generous and loving and caring and sympathetic eye to those that are around us. You see, just like one who loves us so deeply and so dearly and sacrificially as our mothers do, we are called to have that same heart, that same mind of Jesus Christ who gave himself sacrificially for this world. For those who are around us, those whom we influence, those who we don't know, that we are to have that generous, caring heart. So when we think about Lydia, again, we think about an incredible spiritual pioneer. So for those of us in this room, as often any truth of God's word, it divides into two basic categories. As we think about a spiritual pioneer, it divides that way today. First of all, for those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, who have given our lives to him, we have been forgiven, we've been cleansed of sin, we've been welcomed into God's family, we've been adopted into that very family, and we have a true hope, a no-so of heaven. There are some here today that do not know Christ as their Savior. Here's the wonderful thing. Here's the wonderful thing. That same offer that's been offered to each and every one of us is offered absolutely free gift to you today. God loved this, his, the world that he sent his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, would not die, but have eternal life. Would have eternal life. Wonderful promise that he's given to all of us. So for those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are called to be that trailblazer, that pioneer of taking that good news of the gospel. That God loves us so much to send his son, Jesus Christ, that we might be forgiven and cleansed, have a hope of heaven. For those of you here today that do not know Christ as your Savior, today is your opportunity to be that spiritual pioneer, to be that trailblazer. Would today be the day that you make that decision to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Let's pray. And Lord God, we thank you today for the wonderful example of someone like Lydia who it took tremendous courage to not be surrounded by a great, a great cohort of those who were believers at the time, but she had her small group of, of those who were believers in you but did not know the full extent of the gospel yet. Paul brought it to them and they responded in faith. And so God, I pray today that we would take that example. We would have that generosity as well that we see exhibited in Lydia, exhibited in uh, our mothers, exhibited in Jesus Christ and should be shown in our life as well as we are generous and kind and caring and sacrificial to those that are around. Help us to think about them, those that are lost around us, with generosity and servanthood and sacrifice. And we say that they need to hear this good news of the gospel. But God, may we also exhibit the rest of those characteristics of a spiritual pioneer. May we be ones that are courageous in whatever you've called us to do, to take this good news to whoever it is that we have influence on. And I also pray for those that are here today. Their application of being a spiritual pioneer may be for the first time to turn their life over to Jesus Christ, your Son, as their Lord and Savior. And may they do that today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.